from loss to life. your story. Beauty instead of ashes. Joy instead of mourning. Praise instead of despair. Come tell us your story. We all go through loss in life. But how do you come from loss to life? From loss to life. From loss to life. Hi, everyone. We are here with From Loss to Life Ministries. Welcome to our podcast, which serves as a platform to embrace moments of loss through storytelling while also sharing our life experiences so we can all learn how to go from loss to a fulfilled life no matter what. From Lost in Life Ministries is founded on the biblical word found in Isaiah 61, one through three. In verse three, the Bible says, and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of despair. This is the ultimate intent we hope for our listeners. This episode, hosted by Kelly Gully, features Nidra Schaller, a child welfare attorney who has worked as a child advocate for over 30 years in Alameda County, California. As we learn about the foster care system through this episode, remember that children are our future and having a loving and caring home for children in crisis is extremely important to the welfare of the child. Keep listening to hear how Nidra works tirelessly so that the children in her care can journey from loss to life. Hello, Nidra Schaller. Hey there. Thank you for joining us today for our From Lost to Life podcast episode. We are delighted that you said yes to the invitation and delighted that you're involved in From Lost to Life Ministries. My God, I, I can't imagine, I can't even imagine saying no. Do you know, <laughs> that would just, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, Nidra, uh, you are a incredible child advocate. You're an attorney. A lot of people don't even know that because oh. you just flow so naturally in all that you do. And so the questions we want to ask today are to get to a sense of how did you come to this, this thing that you've been doing for how long now? How long have you been an attorney working in child advocacy? Uh, 25 years. 25 25 years. Hmm. Wow. September 16th, 1996, sworn in, got my license, became that attorney. Man, wow. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Wow. Literally 25 years in a month. (laughs) So tell us the tell us your story. 
of working in the child welfare system. How did you become interested? What made you go for it? One thing that a lot of people don't know about me is that I was a sneeze away from being in the dependency system myself. Media day, my brother and I supported ourselves at age 14, 15, like literally working at McDonald's, making sure that we had something to eat, living in motels, waiting for my mom to come home. And I did not realize it then that that was the journey that God had me on for a reason. And honestly, y'all, the revelation is happening now. When I was 12, I saw an attorney and I was just like, oh, I'm going to be a criminal defense attorney, not really knowing what that meant, not knowing what, what it would entail to become that. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that I had to go to school to college and I knew that I had to go to law school, but I didn't really know what that meant. And so while I was at undergrad at San Jose State, I became introduced to the court appointed special advocate program, the CASA program. Mm -hmm. And that is a program that um, partners adults with young people who are in the dependency system that are in the child welfare system. And again, so my God. So I got introduced to that program. I became a CASA. And then that's how I found out about the whole child welfare system, that there were two systems that um, that are supposed to or that are designed to help kids that have been abused and neglected. There's a whole mm-hmm. dependency system and then there's the whole delinquency system. And so tell us the difference between the dependency and the delinquency system. To me, they're the same. To the okay. world, they're different. Mm-hmm. And I say that because every single child that's in the delinquency system, that's in the criminal justice system, is just a child that's been neglected. They, have, they are missing and they are at a loss for somebody to help guide them in the right direction. They are mm-hmm. hurting in some kind of way. But our system of government doesn't view our kids in that manner. But to me, they're the same. But for everybody else, delinquency is kids that are in the criminal justice system. They're very specialized criminal justice system. And it was intended to help modify their behavior. Hmm. So when it was all, all developed, it was the intent was these children are here. They need some guidance. Let's figure out a way to modify their behavior. They will be institutionalized, put in the California Youth Authority or somebody's youth authority, but it was designed to help change their behavior. Whereas the child dependency system, it it was because of some conduct that they've done, some criminal behavior. Okay. Whereas the, the dependency system isn't because of some act that the child has done, but it's because of some act that their caregiver or adult has done. The adult has either abused them or neglected them in some manner. And so the state steps in and says, we're originally, it was the state stepped in and said, we're gonna make sure you child make it to the age of 18. We're gonna put something in place so that at least you make it to the age of 18. There's been a shift in the thought. And Mm -hmm. now it's, we're going to make sure that you have all the resources available to you So not that you only make it to the age of 18 and or 21, but that you have the same advantages of anybody in a quote unquote intact family. And so um, the dependency system is really geared toward helping kids who've been abused or neglected in some manner. 
And so, you know, they could be kids who, um, whose parents are suffering from mental health issues, parents who aren't clear on how to parent. And so there's a lot of physical abuse, parents who are involved in domestic violence situation, parents who um, have substance abuse issues. I just recently had a case where a baby, a baby, a baby ingested fentanyl. And you have to ask yourself, how does that happen? Because the parents are using fentanyl and they're just so entrenched in their substance use that they can't even see the harm that it could potentially have for their babies. Man. Yeah. 25 years yeah. with this kind of work, it's both hard work and it can be heavy. Right. And so, but you've decided to continue in this work through your whole career. Yeah. What, what makes you keep going? I think what keeps me going is the fact that I know that we are positively impacting the lives of kids like truly positively impacting the lives of kids. One of my very first cases was a well-known case here in the Bay Area where a six-year-old was being charged with attempted murder. And that was like 25 years ago. And it was like one of the first cases in the nation where a six-year-old was being charged with attempted murder. Mm. And we got the opportunity to just argue on behalf of the child that, you know, he doesn't have the mental capacity to do that. But the prosecutors... In Contra Costa County, wanted to prosecute this little brown boy with attempted murder. And when we were able to shift their thinking and shift the thinking of the judge to the fact that he's not a criminal, could not possibly be a criminal, but what he really is, he was a neglected child. His family needed some help. His family needed some services. Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff is what gets me up in the morning. That kind of stuff is what keeps me going. And so what happened 25 years ago, even today, you know, I am grateful and thankful that I'm in a position where I can make an impact in somebody's life in a positive way. And so that's why I keep doing what I do. Tell me a story of going from loss to life in your work. I, I have two, actually. Okay. Okay. One was, um, you know, I recently dismissed a dependency case. Usually cases come in and they last anywhere from 18 months to 18 years. Okay. Mm. Um, But about a year ago, this little girl found her father who was uh, a heroin addict. And she called 911 because her father's body was starting to rot. Mm. And there was a stench. And she realized there's something that's just not right about my dad. And so she called 911 because he had open sores all over his body where, from the heroin use. And um, he, she had to be taken into the system, put into foster care. And it was a wake-up call for her dad, like a true wake-up call. And he did every single thing within his ability mm. to get himself clean so he could have his daughter back. We recently dismissed his case. And what I had to share with him is I don't have cases that end in 12 months. I don't have parents who are like, I am going to get myself together because I almost lost my child. I almost lost my child. And he made a decision. That was what he wanted to do. Mm. And it was just such a beautiful transformation to see over over 12 months. And again, it just doesn't happen. 
So hearing it doesn't happen, I want you to speak to that parent uh, oh. that might be listening right now that uh. has been trying to get their mind or their self together so that they can do what he did. What would you say to them right now? So I think a lot of people think the system is there to hurt them and there to separate families, but it really isn't. If you just take hold of what the child welfare workers have to offer you, what even the court system has to offer you, you can move from wherever you were to where you want to go. If you can't believe in yourself at the moment, believe that the child welfare worker in the court really is fighting for you because we are. We will be there to support you in every single step of the way. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it will be hard. There are going to be some days that's going to be hard. There are going to be some days you're going to go backwards. There are going to be some days when you're going to feel like, I just can't do this. But if you remain focused on why you're here, which is that baby, that mm -hmm. child that absolutely loves you, that child that adores you, that child that wants to be with you, that child mm -hmm. that is longing for you, Wow. If you remain focused on that, you're going to do it. You are going to do it. And just take it one day at a time. One day at a time. Don't be like, oh, I got to do all of these things. Yeah, you do. But you got to take one day at a time, one moment at a time, one opportunity at a time, one visit at a time, one substance abuse test at a time, one meeting at a time. And when you start to look at it that way, it, uh, it's just blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Mm. Yeah. Those are beautiful words that you just shared that you may just have given someone a restart mm. of, you know what, I really can do this. So thank you for your encouragement. You have such an encouraging spirit, which is what families need. And you have another story of going from loss to life that you want to share. Yeah. So there were um, three young children whose parents, again, had to, they were suffering from substance abuse. And these children, they wanted to be placed with their paternal aunt and they wanted to be adopted by their paternal aunt. And we actually had a big trial about it. And the judge said, no, I'm not gonna terminate your parents' parental rights right now because I think your parents have a relationship with you that I wanna save. So I'm going to give your parents a chance to get it together. And unfortunately, the parents just kind of fell apart. They just stopped following through with their visits and they just kind of, they just fell off the radar. And then we actually had another hearing and the court terminated the parental rights of the parents. It was a sad day, but it was a happy day. And it was a happy and joyous day for these three children who stuck in there, made it very clear to the judge what they wanted, why they wanted it. And, um, and I'm not going to say that they, they didn't back down, but they also knew why they wanted to be where they wanted to be. They mm -hmm. wanted some sense, sense of stability. They wanted to feel like they belonged to a family again. And when they were finally adopted, to see the joy on their face, to see that, you know, they could just kind of breathe and relax and know that they were with a truly forever family, this yes. is something that's incomparable. Mm -hmm. You really know that, especially for teenage kids, because it's rare that teenage kids get adopted. That's, you know, that's a part of the reality of our system. But these teenage kids were adopted 
by somebody that absolutely unconditionally extravagantly loved them and that they also love that way. Amen. Amen. That is a beautiful story. And that is what you just shared two stories of going from lost to life. It's something that's so necessary for us to hear because people talk about the child welfare system very negatively, but there are really good people that work in it like you. What are the words of wisdom that you give to the young attorneys coming into the system? They've been there two or three years and they're, let's say they're discouraged. What do you, what do you tell them so that they can then celebrate their 25 years one day? So I think the attorneys that are in this line of work because that's where their heart is, I think the words of encouragement would be just to truly follow your heart. And I say that because, you know, this wasn't an area of law that I knew. This wasn't an area of law that I thought would actually provide some kind of financial stability. Mm -hmm. uh, when I decided I was going to do this, attorneys were like, how are you going to get paid? Kids can't pay you. But there are nonprofits out there. There are law firms out there that are designed to represent children. There's just a whole camaraderie around that. Mm -hmm. There is a, a time, though, when you can feel a little burnt out. And I would say just listen to yourself. Listen to yourself and step away if you need to. Mm -hmm. At the nonprofits that are representing kids in this area, they actually build in sabbaticals for a reason. Mm -hmm. Because you are continuously hearing the negatives. You're always hearing the negatives. My words of encouragement would be make sure that you build in some time for yourself. Make mm -hmm. sure you build in some time to rejuvenate yourself. It's so easy to just take everything home with you, but you can't. Not if you want to have some longevity in it. You've got to set up some boundaries. And I will say when I first started, I had no boundaries. Mm. I had no boundaries whatsoever. I wanted to adopt most of my clients. I truly did. And um, I remember one client, I'm like, oh, teenage girl, you're coming home with me. She knew my son. Yeah. But I realized that in order to be the best attorney for her, I needed to set boundaries and maintain that attorney-client relationship. I could do more for her as an attorney than I could for her as the hopeful big sister. Right, right, right. So you, have to, you do have to set those boundaries and understand what your role is. Children need attorneys to actually advocate for them, to, set, to tell the court what it is that they want and tell the court what it is that they need. It's the, it's the only system where a client has both voices in a courtroom. Say more, say more about that. Yeah, so most court systems, you know, you're, you're fighting for whatever it is you're fighting for. If it's a divorce, you know, I'm fighting for this house and I'm fighting for this. When children are involved though, their voice is a little different. Sometimes children want to be in the home with the abusive parent because that's all they know. And sometimes they need to not be there. And so as the attorney, you have to, help, you have to hold both roles. You have to educate your client on, you know, what, what's going on, all the legal stuff, but you also have to advocate for them, but you can't advocate for them to be in an unsafe situation. Okay. You just can't advocate for them to be in an unsafe situation. 
Adults do it all the time because adults are adults are adults. They're making those adult decisions. But children, I mean, you know, like adults, if, I don't know if you ever saw War of the Roses. It was a movie about two adults who are getting a divorce and they just fought to the bitter end and they, they missed all opportunity about what was truly best for them because they were just fighting just to fight. And that's, and adults can make those kinds of choices. Right. But children who are in the, the child welfare system who have done nothing but exist, they were born in, you know, they're, they're in the system. Again, not because of any conduct of their own. An mm. attorney has to, to advocate for what it is that they want, but at the same time advocate for what it is that they need. They cannot advocate for a kid to go back home to an abusive situation. Got it. Mm -hmm. Instead, they have to advocate for, you know, parent, you need to, to do whatever. If you have to, substance abuse issues, you've got to take care of that because my client really does want to come home to you. Mm -hmm. But I can't say client go back home to, to this abusive situation, to this neglectful situation. Mm -hmm. So an attorney for a child in the child welfare system has to have a dual role. And you have to understand that going into it. Wow, you have just dropped so much knowledge and heart and passion into so many children. Do you know how many clients you've had over the 25 years? A minimum? I would say I've touched a minimum of 2,000 families. Wow. And clients can be anywhere, families can be anywhere from one to five children. So mm. a minimum. What a legacy that is, Nidra oh, Shaw. I, I take that back. So I have about 200 cases a year. So 25, whatever 25 times 200 is. <laughs> but it's 5,000. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Mm. Think about all of those seeds that you've planted in those families yeah. and their lives have changed. Some for the better, some for the same, some for the worse, but you have really made an impact in this world. I'm excited for your future. <laughs> I'm excited yeah. for what's next for you. Yes. Yes, I am too. Can um, you share? Can you share what's next? So, yeah, <laughs> the way that my God does what he does. So I, I told you a little bit about my background. I told you a little bit about the, the cases that I've been involved with. One of my first jobs was with Legal Services for Children. And it's a nonprofit in San Francisco that represents children in guardianship cases and child welfare cases. Um, and when I got that job, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was appointed as the director of, of the Hope Project, which worked with children that were impacted and affected by HIV and AIDS. Had no mm -hmm. idea what I was going to be doing, but God placed me there. And then God led me on different little paths and I had to leave there and I went other places, always in the child welfare system. And um, my next journey, it, um, we'll be working with this entity again. And I just love how God just makes a full circle of things. Not anything I had anticipated, not anything I thought about, but yeah. he does what he does, how he does it. Uh, mm -hmm. When you think one door is closing, it really isn't. It truly isn't, especially if it's your passion that he placed in you. If God mm -hmm. has given you a vision to do something, I promise you he's going to just give you every single stepping stone that you need to accomplish it. Every single one. So my future is back at LSC. 
Fantastic. After all these years. And now you're going back to LSE knowing exactly what you're doing. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You ain't got all that wisdom and all that experience, and now you get to come back and make that organization a better organization. How amazing is that? What a blessing. What a blessing. What a blessing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to close this out, and I'm just going to say thank you so much for all that you do for so many children around the nation, around the world. You don't even know. Right. Your clients could be all over the globe. Um, that you've touched those 5,000 plus children and families. And so what a blessing. And this podcast is going to be very unique, I think, for people to really learn about the child welfare system in a way that maybe see the inside that they haven't seen before and maybe to understand what that journey is like, especially for those who maybe are, have an inkling or a call to go into the system themselves. So thank you, Nitra Schaller. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to share. I truly enjoy chatting with you. Yeah. God, thank you for Nidra and her ministry to the youth in her care and their families. We thank you for and ask you to continue to encourage and strengthen the child welfare workers who broker the connection between children, their families, and their foster parents. Lord, help each person, child, parent, sibling, counselor, lawyers, and others know that they can live a fulfilled life, that they can journey from loss to life by leaning and depending on you always. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. From loss to life. If you or someone in your family is fostering or thinking about adopting or becoming a foster parent, there is a comprehensive child welfare information gateway website that includes helpful information. Log on to www.childwelfare.gov to learn more. And if you would like to be encouraged through more stories of people journeying from loss to life, please check out our website at www.fromloss.gov number two life from lost to life.org on our website our facebook page and youtube channel you will be encouraged by various stories and messages to encourage you on your journey